I'd like to start a short series today on the subject of living with a wounded spirit. I'd like to hopefully share some insights about what it means to go through life with an inner man or inner woman, but we're all men, male and female created he, you know, God created man, male and female created he man, so... So when I say in a man, I'm talking about both genders. But what it, what it means to go through life with an inner man that has suffered trauma, has been damaged in some way and has been left untreated and unhealed to fester. The detrimental effect that a wounded spirit left untreated will have on our regular daily routines, as well as the uh, greater long-term goals of our life, I I believe have been greatly underestimated by many of us. Uh, You know, some people live life very aware that they have a wounded spirit, very aware that there's damage, there's brokenness, there's Enough happened in their life that has smashed up their internal world. But they are so broken, they're so wounded that they do very little to deal with the problem. Instead, they live life with an incessant sense of hopelessness, despair and resignation. Others, on the other hand, go through life very unaware that they are facing issues and challenges in their life that they have no answers to. They go through life very unaware that their their constant battle with negative feelings and emotions, their constant battle with relationship issues, relationship conflicts, their constant struggle with a decline in motivation, Things that used to give them pleasure now don't. Things that used to get them out of bed in the morning now have no real motivational impact upon their life. They go through life with this constant battle of mental pain. And they don't understand that it may very well be rooted in what the Bible calls a wounded spirit. Personally, I know what it is to live and to lead with a wounded spirit. It's interesting that the Bible has quite a lot to say about the wounding of our inner man and its wider effect upon our life. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22, Solomon says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit will sap your strength faster than anything. A cheerful heart... A cheerful heart, a joyful heart, a heart that's full of vision and anticipation in life and a sense of excitement about what the future holds is, 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 is a good medicine to your soul. It, it does something to your inner man, but when your spirit is wounded, when your spirit is broken, it will sap your strength. There's that demotivation that I just talked about, that inability to get out of bed in the morning, that inability to take another step, that inability to believe for one more thing, that inability to trust God because you felt like he hasn't really come through in the past. 
Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14 says, The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Job, in his darkest moments, in his battle of facing probably trauma like none of us here have ever experienced. You've only got to read the opening chapter of Job to get a, a, a grasp or a picture of an understanding of, of you know, one incessant blow after another to this man's inner world, to this man's emotions, to this man's heart. That, that you know, he, in his darkest moments in chapter 17 and verse 1, he's, he cries out, My spirit is broken. My inner, my inner man is smashed. My days are extinguished. And then he says this amazing thing, the grave is ready for me. It's the, the signs, the characteristics of someone who has lost the will to live, someone who has lost the desire to, to push through to something better, to achieve another goal, that something has been robbed and stolen out of their inner world. And Job says, the grave is ready for me because my spirit... Is smashed, it's smashed, it's broken, it's wounded, it's bleeding. You know, you and I are far more deeply complex than I think many of us realise. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are complex human beings emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You know, we, uh, we are spiritual beings. And those of you who've walked with the Lord long enough know that. But we are spiritual beings. We're not just a body that exists in a physical dimension. When God created us, He created us spirit, soul, and body. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes back. Our body, as, as you all know, is the physical dimension to our lives. Through our, our body, we touch the physical world with our physical senses, our, our, our sight, our, our, our touch, our, our sound, our, our taste and our smell. It's the way in which we experience the physical world and that's why we have a body so that our inner world can connect with the outer world and, and it's done through the body. But our soul is that part of us that, that comprises our mind and our, our will. It's the seat of our emotions. It's, it's our feelings, our dreams, our imagination, our creativity comes out of that arena of the soul. Our spirit, however, is the source of our physical life. In fact, our spirit is, is the source of all of our life. And, and uh, you know, it comes through that, that invisible, all of our life comes through that invisible, mysterious uh, inner area called the spirit, that, that, that God conscious area, that area where we connect with God, that area where we commune with God, that area where, in fact, God lives in our life. It comes inside of us and our spirit is the source of all life, physical life, soul life, all, all life. And James, James in chapter 2 verse 26 tells us that the body without the spirit is dead. So it is the source of all of our, our life. Our spirit is that part of us that is regenerated when we receive Jesus. The moment we genuinely and with a heartfelt desire open our heart to heaven and say, Jesus, I, I acknowledge sincerely that I'm a sinner. 
and that without you I'm lost and I accept what you did on the cross for me and I, I surrender my life to you and I repent of my past behaviours, my past condition and I, I ask you to come into my life and I ask you to rebuild me, I ask you to recreate me, I ask you to fill me with your presence at that moment. In that moment of sincerity before God, it's not just a verbal prayer or a verbal assent to God, but it's, it comes out of our innermost being, God, I need you. And I need you desperately. In that, in that moment, our spirit is regenerated. It's born again. The Spirit of God comes and breathes fresh life like he did in the Garden of Eden when he formed Adam from the dust and then breathed into his nostrils the, the breath of life. The Spirit of God, when we receive Jesus, comes and redoes that and causes life to come inside of us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a, a passage we all know so well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. John 3.3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, who came to him you know, in, in, with an inquisitive mind and a, and a desire to understand the things of the Spirit, Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And then John in his first epistle, in chapter 5 and verse 1, says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is, is born of God. So our spirit at that moment is, is regenerated. It, it's saved. It's made alive to God and God alive to us. And, uh, you know, we are reborn spiritually when Jesus has given full access to our, our life. It's in our spirit where God communicates with us. Jesus said that, you know, those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. And so we have a spirit so we can commune with God. And, and that's what happens at salvation. We're reconnected with God. Romans 8.16 says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So it's in that place, that, that internal world of the spirit that God communes with us. However, even though our spirit has been born again, even though our spirit has been regenerated, it's been made alive by God and made alive to God, our spirit is not immune from damage. And that's what I want to talk about over the next few weeks, however long it might go on for. Just as our bodies can become susceptible to sickness and disease, so too can our spirit. And I'm going to show you from the Word of God how that can actually happen. But Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthian church for the second time in chapter 7 and verse 1, he says, Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or our spirit. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or our spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness. Complete Wholeness, complete separation, complete healing, complete reconciliation. There's a part of us where our inner world, as born again and as saved as it is and as regenerated as it is, if we don't guard it with all diligence, it can actually become sick. It can get wounded. It can become poisoned. It can be damaged. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body. Just as our bodies are susceptible to sickness and disease, so too can our spirit be. When Margot and I were first married, we lived in a caravan. Our first home was a caravan. And it was in someone's backyard. And, 
and uh, on the property there was a house that had been divided into two and so the back of the house was a flat, the front of the house was a flat and there was a, a tenant in the front flat, a tenant in the back flat and there was this 27 foot long caravan with a toilet and shower and it was all self-contained in the backyard which had a sloping yard like that so the caravan's like that and so there was a big gap under one end and a little gap under the other and we, we were in the caravan and there were tenants in the house and we had this internal toilet which really wasn't pleasant at all because the caravan wasn't connected to the sewer. But at the back of the house, there was an external toilet that we were allowed to use that was shared with the tenants in the back, but we didn't use it often because we didn't want to encroach upon their zone or their area. But because it wasn't connected to the toilet, I had the job of emptying that thing when it got full. And I would have to discard what was in that thing in the back toilet. And I remember the first time I emptied it. I remember the, the moment. I'll never forget it. I'm scarred. I'm wounded. I need counselling, I think, <laughs> as a result of it. But I, it, it, was, it was so full that there was an odour in the van. And Margaret said, I think this thing's ready to be emptied. And I said, yeah, I think I better do it. So I got one of those plastic buckets that you just buy for $2 at Woolworths. And it was at the end where there was a big gap under the van and the gap was wide enough that I could sit on my bottom and my head was just there, the roof of the van was there and there was this chute with a pull thing. And so I sat, I sat with the bucket between my legs. <laughs> and I thought, all I got to do is pull this thing. And it will fill the bucket and I'll close it, empty the bucket and that'll be the end of it. What I didn't understand was that the tank held far more than a bucket. And so I'm sitting there and I pull this thing wide open and it went like a, a geezer. It went like a, a blowhole at the ocean. It, it just gushed and it was about that round the it hit the bottom of the bucket and went whoosh, and kept flowing and kept flowing and kept, and I couldn't shut the thing. It just kept going. I rolled out from under the, the van. <laughs> she can't come down. Come this is a very serious message. I rolled out from under the van. I was drenched in it. I was soaked in it. I had hair back then. It was in my hair. It was dripping off the end of my nose. It, it was all over me. It was an absolute disaster. Now, I, I tell you that to say this. I felt defiled. My body felt defiled. And the cleanup process made me even more defiled. But, you know, just as our body can become dirty and defiled, so too can our spirit. Just as our, our body can become sick and need treatment, so too can our spirit. 
Just as our body can be wounded and, and need healing, need a process of restoration back to wholeness and health, so too can our spirit. Just as our body can become infected if it's not treated properly, so too can our spirit become infected, become poisoned, become contaminated, and, and out of your life will come forth all kinds of problems and heartache and pain while ever there's an infection in your spirit. Guard your inner world, the Bible says, because out of it flows the issues of life. Common symptoms of a wounded spirit is a consistent undercurrent of anger. Angry and you don't know why just angry at the world, you're just angry at your wife, you're angry at your husband, you're angry at your boss, you're angry at the, the uh, other motorists on the road, you're, you're just angry, there's something and it's not something that's just triggered, it's an underlying seething anger that, that just rises when you least expect it and, and when you've got a wounded spirit you can find yourself, particularly a born again believer, can find themselves behaving in ways that are so inconsistent with the new nature that Jesus gave us when we were born again, when we invited him in, when we received him. We can find ourselves behaving in ways that are inconsistent to the divine nature that Peter says we are called to be partakers of but instead of us partaking of the divine nature and us more and more becoming like Jesus, our inner man is wounded and is left untreated and begins to be poisoned, begins to be infected. And out of that comes behaviours that are so contrary to the Christian life that we're called to live. And then guilt overcomes us. And then a sense of condemnation overcomes us. A sense of failure overcomes us. And anger begins to rise inside of us because I'm a failure. I'm no good. I can't. It's coming out of a wounded spirit. It's coming out of a wounded inner world. And some of those symptoms are things like consistent, underlying undercurrent of anger, increasing impatience and intolerance. Other symptoms, lethargy. You get up and go has just got up and went. You used to have a spring in your step, but you don't. Anymore, you know, and, and, and often they can be symptoms of depression. And I, I'm a firm believer that depression is a real thing today. But I, I'm beginning to wonder whether depression is also something that comes out of a wounded spirit. That when our inner world is not healthy or whole or, or in connection with God, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the definition of the word hope is the expectancy of something good. How many of you know God is good? And when we're disconnected from God, we're disconnected from good and therefore we're disconnected from the expectancy of something good to happen in our life. You know, lethargy, cynicism begins to rise in the heart of a wounded spirit. Constant, constantly judgmental, pointing the finger at others, judging everybody else. Instead of looking at the, 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 the log in our own eye, we, we're looking at the speck in everybody else's eye. Often that's a symptom of a wounded spirit. We become critical of those around us, critical of their lifestyle, critical of their choices because they're different to ours or they don't line up with the way we think. Or the way Somebody just said to me this morning when I was saying we just moved into our new house and they said, oh, well, you'll get back to normal. And then they, they clarified it and they said, well, you'll get back to your normal. Because we've all got our own normal and what is normal. And I thought, that is so true, you know. 
But we think because everyone's not like us, they're not normal and we're the only ones that are normal. But this thing could come out of a wounded spirit, this being constantly judgmental, despondency, indifference, having a, an increasingly cold and heartless heart to, to the struggles and the needs of others around us. I think one of the most common causes of a wounded spirit, and there are a number of causes, and I, I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks I can, I can talk about some of these things and look at ways around and uh, processes of healing. But I think one of the most common causes of people becoming sick in their inner man is disappointment. Disappointment in God. Disappointment in life, disappointment with family, disappointment with people, disappointment with yourself, disappointment in your inability to actually do what you were called to do. Prue talked about this powerfully yesterday at the women's afternoon tea. She, she had this sense of disappointment in herself because she didn't quite reach where she thought she would reach or didn't quite complete what she wanted to complete. You know, And that whole thing has the capacity to wound you in a world and we become disappointed in our own behaviour. We become disappointed in our own outbursts. We become disappointment, disappointed in our own demeanour because because we think we're not really like Jesus. And I, I've been with Jesus 20, 30, 40 years now, and I'm, I'm just no different to what I was. And I think sometimes it can come out of a wounded spirit that's not been healed, that's not been treated properly, that's not been dealt with. But I think disappointment over undesired outcomes, you know, un, unfulfilled dreams. And desires can wound your spirit. They can, they can crush your spirit. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 said, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred is disappointment. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But what a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When you're wanting something or you're believing for something, and, and I'm not talking about ungodly things, I'm talking about things that we should be trusting God for, things we should be pushing through for, things we should be believing for. When, when you do it week in and week out, and there doesn't seem to be an answer, there doesn't seem to be a breakthrough. And I, I know quite a few of you in this room this morning, and I know some of your journeys and some of you have been pushing and pushing and pushing, and, and, and it's not happening the way you'd hoped or desired or dreamed. And hope deferred is starting to bring sickness into your inner world if we're not handling it well or we're not allowing the Spirit of God to bring the healing that, that He brings or keep the, the immune system of our spirit protected and safeguarded. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Such disappointment was found in the heart of God's people in Egypt. I believe they had a wounded spirit. Moses announces the good news that God was about to set them free. The people out of that rose with excitement, rose with a sense of fresh vision. It's, it's the dawning of a new day. It's, it's a time for us to, to rise up and be who we were ultimately called to be. The prophecies are there. The, 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 uh, the promises are there. That they'd heard all the stories passed from one generation to another over a 400-year period. And they knew that there'd been a promise of a coming deliverer. And Moses, a princely figure, a man with influence, a man who was known and respected. Moses arrives on the scene and announces to them, I'm the man. And their hopes begin to rise. A sense of 
God is about to set us free. They were under so much pressure and pain as they were driven by slave drivers in Egypt. Their days had nothing but misery to look forward to. They would get up in the morning and it would start all over again. And if they only got a few hours sleep, it didn't matter. Colleagues would be dropping dead around them because of exhaustion, because of dehydration, because of hunger, because of just being overwhelmed by the whole thing of having no life of your own, but having to serve so so hope is rising in their heart. This this is gonna it's time. The prophecy is about to be fulfilled. And Moses convinces them that he's the man. Yet when he approaches Pharaoh, he's laughed out of the palace. And as he's laughed out of the palace to make matters worse, Pharaoh then doubles their workload but halves their resources. So so the problem now has gone from bad, not to worse, but to catastrophic. Their, their dreams that had been fueled in their heart. I remember when I first got saved. I, I remember having prophetic words spoken over my life and the excitement of what my life now held for me. And I was only a young man of 19. And so the sense of I've got a whole life ahead of me of God doing great things. And I remember the excitement and the anticipation. But yet... We've got to come to understand the processes of God, the workings of God, the hand of God and how He leads us and guides us or we set ourselves up for disappointment that has the capacity to wound our spirit. Things go from bad to catastrophic. Their expectations are dashed. Their expectations had been raised and were now smashed. In fact, they got angry with Moses and refused to listen. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go back to Pharaoh. Moses says, you've got to be kidding me. He said, I, I went once to Pharaoh and I went to your people because God, you t- it's in there, Exodus chapter 6. You read it for yourself. He said, I went to your people just like you told me. And I told them what you told me. I motivated them, I encouraged them, I, I, I built up their faith, I, I brought your word to their life and they got excited and they got enthusiastic. I then, in obedience to your word, went to Pharaoh and I did exactly what you told me to do. I said exactly what you told me to say and, and yet now the situation in Egypt has not only got worse but God, you failed to come through and deliver. That's exactly what Moses said to God. You failed to come through and deliver. And he said, I, I, I want you to just go back and I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I did that last week. I want you to go back to my people and tell them I'm going to deliver them out of slavery in Egypt. But there's an interesting thing in chapter 6 of the book of Exodus where it says they refused to listen to Moses. Moses tries to reassure them that it will happen. God's word is true. God is faithful. God is not a man that he should lie. He he reassures them that this is going to happen. But such was their wounded spirit. Such was their wounded condition. They couldn't hear the message that Moses brought and so rejected the word of the Lord. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we read an interesting thing about God's people coming out of Egypt. They heard the word, but it did nothing for them. It came to no profit because it wasn't mixed with faith. Without faith, it's impossible to hear God. When you've got a wounded spirit, it often robs you of your faith. 
And so when, when they, come on, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna, to, one of the things I've got to really guard my heart against right now is the incredible fruitful place. 95% of the rapid prophecy has come to pass. But that was ages ago. Part of that prophecy, the last part was at the end of that, there'll be an incredible fruitful place. And there are times where I've caught my own spirit going, yeah, incredible fruitful place. Yeah, where's the incredible? Yeah, we've had all the other stuff. You promised it, but it hasn't come through. You know, my soul is just as susceptible to that as everybody else's. I can get so despondent. I can get so lethargic. I can get so discouraged over the disappointment of God, where 20 years, where is your breakthrough? Where is your hand in this? And let me tell you something. If I let that stuff get into my soul and then go through my soul into my spirit, it will only contaminate me for the worse. It won't fix the situation. I have to take the promise of God and discipline my soul to mix it with faith and say, God, you will come through. You will make this happen. And Moses, like Moses, I stood and said, God, you said and you didn't do. I'll just go back and keep going. And he did. And still nothing changed. And then God says, go back and keep going. Just keep telling Pharaoh. I've told him twice. It's like he's he's increasing the load. He's putting pressure on your people. And the more Pharaoh, the more I go to Pharaoh, the more Pharaoh does that, and the more your people hate me. It's a it's a merry-go-round cycle, and it's like, God, I can't do this anymore. And God says, keep going back. We've got to keep listening to the voice of God and keep going around the track, around the pathway until he says it's time to get off. That's the only way we can live life or we'll become susceptible to a poison spirit and then we'll live with anger and frustration rather than the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. If we don't trust God and keep pushing through, we become susceptible to cynicism and cynicism is a killer of faith. A poison spirit will rob you of so much in God. And if you say, oh, well, you know, well, I'm just going to give up. If it happens, it happens. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, God said it. Well, I'm sick of fighting for it. I'll just wait and see if it happens. It's probably not going to happen. Because my Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I've got to mix the Word of God with faith, not with cynicism. They heard the word, but it did nothing for them. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it did nothing for them because it wasn't mixed with faith. Their spirit was too wounded to receive the word of God with faith and anticipation. I don't ever want to get to that place. I don't ever want to get to that place. Too many, though, in this day and age are similar to those same Israelites way back there in Egypt. They have great difficulty in hearing promises of a better day because it now hurts to believe. They need the healing hand of Jesus to touch this spirit. We all need the healing hand of Jesus to touch our spirit so that cynicism is destroyed. Negativity is crushed. We need the healing hand of Jesus so that hope is rekindled and times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. I think one of the greatest healing processes for a wounded spirit, for a damaged heart, for a a traumatized inner man is to be basking in the presence of Jesus. 
Even if you don't know what to pray anymore, even if you don't know what to ask for anymore, because you've asked the same thing for so long. You know, it's one of the greatest healing processes is to just find a sunny spot somewhere where there's no distraction and you just sit in the presence of Jesus. You've got to let him come. More, the more in his presence, the more time in his presence, the more complete the healing. When you're sick, you've got to run to a doctor, not away from a doctor. You've got to run to a hospital, not away from a hospital. When we're sick and we're wounded and we're broken and we're angry and we're cynical and we're smashed up and we're, we're, we're just judging everybody around us, it's time not to run further from God, but back to the physician. He's the one who said it's the sick that need a physician, not the healthy. Margot closed yesterday's session with the women. I was there because I was in the background just helping the guys in black. And she closed. She said, it's, it's not a weakness to ask for help. We're all in desperate need of help. Every one of us. We are all broken. And we're all on a journey of wholeness. We've got to take down the pride and say, Jesus, come in like a flood. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.17, I didn't give you all these scriptures, Sebastian, I'm sorry. But now the Spirit of the Lord is, is, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. You know, I, I love the opening chapter of the book of Genesis where it says the earth was dark and it was formless, and it was void. That word void means empty. When you've got a wounded spirit, you can feel empty. You can feel very, very empty. You can feel very, very broken. But I love the fact the earth, now the earth was formless, dark, and void, but the Spirit of God. Oh, I love that. But the Spirit of God hovered. Over the water. We've got to let the Spirit of God rehover over our life. We've got to let the Spirit of God get back into our soul. We've got to allow the Spirit of God back through the doorway of our soul into our spirit and start to bring the healing process as the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and God said, Let there be life. And there was. It only happened because the presence of God was there. If we get in the presence of God, He's going to say, let there be healing. Let there be life. Let there be hope. And if nothing changes, John, Pastor John said last Sunday, talked about Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I, I, I want to live like that. Though my dreams are unfulfilled, I don't want it to damage my spirit. I want it, I want it to just be, God, I'm just doing what you've asked me to do. The outcomes are up to you. What more can you do? If we just do what he's asked us to do, the outcomes are up to us. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. I'm going to close with this so the band can come back. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? One translation says, is there no balm in Gilead? Let me tell you, there's a balm in Gilead and his name is Jesus. There's a healing balm in a relationship with Jesus. I've said this before, you can be in church but not at all be in Christ. You can be in church and not have a relationship with Jesus. You can be in church every week and sing songs about Jesus, even sing songs to Jesus and 
um, just sing songs and have absolutely no change in your life because there's not that open door for him to have his way and do what only he can do in our life. Jesus is the most powerful balm, the most powerful medicine available to this sick, wounded and broken world that is available to us. I knew I'd struggle at this point in the message. I mean, it's nearly time now anyway, but I, I struggle with God. Where do I land this on the first message? How do I land this with a sense of hope or application or what do I do now? Because some will be sitting here going, you've just described me. You've described my behaviours, described my feelings. And, and I, I think I'm struggling with a wounded spirit. But what, what do I do now? I, I think the only place I can land this message is get back into the presence of Jesus. I hope to give you a bit more practical stuff that you can do in the relationship with Jesus over the next week or so. I want to talk about what can happen to our spirit. I want to talk about what is a broken spirit. What, what is it to have a spirit that's been knifed? You know, the Bible talks about a lacerated spirit. The Bible talks about having a smashed inner man. And, and I, want to, I want to go there. I want to go a little deeper. And I want to encourage you to come back next Sunday. You know, if you're going to Europe for a holiday, just cancel it. Just come back next Sunday. <laughs> this is more important than a holiday in Europe, believe me. Although Margot probably wouldn't agree. I'm going to leave it at that point. But get into the presence of Jesus this week. And if you're not accustomed to doing that, just get some good worship music. And just sit and listen. Listen to the words. And think about Jesus. He will keep in perfect peace. His mind is fixed on him turn your eyes on Jesus in the midst of that worship atmosphere and the things of earth will grow strangely dim Father I pray this morning that every person in this place would sense your presence on their life they would sense you drawing them wooing them calling them into a, a place of intimacy and connection with you where you can begin to put your finger on things. You can begin to bring revelation as to how they got here, why they're here, what level of sickness is here, and what balm is actually needed in their situation. And I, I pray, Holy Spirit, you help us all over the next couple of weeks to, to be able to identify where we're at and what balm we need. Because some of us have got a broken leg in our spirit. We don't need antibiotics necessarily. We need a plaster cask. Some of us have, have got damaged eyesight in our spirit. We don't need a plaster cast. We, we, we need our eyes renewed, our eyes restored, our vision, our heart to be enlightened that we might know the hope of our calling. Father, I pray that you would guide us all over these next few weeks to find the answer to the breakthrough in our inner world so that we would see the outworking of your plan and your purpose in our lives. Just, just before I close, just while your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, 
You know, maybe everybody in this room today knows Jesus. But I don't, I don't want to close without giving an opportunity. Some of the things I described today about the symptoms of a wounded spirit, I had all of those when I got saved. I had all those before I got saved. And maybe you're sitting in the meeting today and you've never opened your heart genuinely and invited Jesus into your life. Maybe you've never said, I acknowledge that I'm lost without you. I'm a sinner and sin has separated me from you. But Jesus, you died on the cross. You shed your blood so my sins could be washed away and I could be accepted as a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God back into your kingdom. Maybe that's you today. You're in that situation. You've never done that, and yet you've identified, I've got all those symptoms, and I think there's, you know, things have happened to me. I'm wounded. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm damaged. Let me tell you something. When Jesus comes in, he comes with that healing balm. And if you get into his presence through accepting Jesus, that healing balm will flow. If that's you today, well, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Nobody looking around. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I want you to raise your hand right where you're sitting. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you. Someone else. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, today we open our hearts afresh to you and invite you in. Invite you in to live in our life, into the control room of our life. We surrender to you and ask that, Lord, from this day on, you take the steering wheel of our life and steer us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Steer us beside still waters. Steer us, Lord, in those places where we're refreshed, we're revived, we're healed, we're restored. You are the great shepherd. Let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, we surrender afresh to you. And ask you to rise in our life as number one. Captain, Lord, Governor, we surrender to you. And this week, I'm going to go looking for your presence so that I can go further in that healing process. In Jesus' name, amen.